Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today's conversation, we will continue with our focus on the state of the media market. This includes a look at recent performance drivers, the year ahead, among some other timely topics that my guests will cover for us today. So joining us from BlackRock, I'm glad to welcome Peter Hayes. Peter is a managing director and serves as chief investment officer and head of the municipal bond group with BlackRock. Uh, Joining me from the UBS Chief Investment Office, glad to welcome Senior Municipal Bond Strategist for the Americas, Kathleen McNamara. So Kathleen, Peter, thank you for joining our listeners, our clients here on UBS On Air Market Moves. Kathleen, I'll pass it over to you to lead today's conversation with Peter. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dan, and um, thank you, Peter, for joining us today. Um, It's been some year here. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, um, it's certainly good to connect with you as we head into the final two weeks. And what a rough year it has been for an array of asset classes. And as you know, munis were not immune to that fallout. The investment-grade muni sector is down by 8% on a year-to-date basis, and that is despite a recent rally that helped erase some of the year's earlier losses. At the same time, I see that high-yield munis are now down by a little over 11% on my screen. That said, uh, record outflows from muni mutual funds and low new issue supply were among some of the ongoing themes that we've been following this year in the market. Therefore, we certainly have a lot to talk about, Peter. So uh, let's get started, okay? We do. Yeah, As, tw- yeah. <laughs> As 2022 winds down and it is set to go in the record books as the worst year for muni performance in a few decades, what is your U.S. economic outlook for 2023 and where do you see rates headed? So I would say that, yeah, it certainly has been an interesting year. I mean, I think the interest rate discussion, Fed policy, has certainly been a big driver of investment returns, and it's been top of mind for everybody throughout the entire year in 2022. And I think the timing of this call is actually particularly good. Remember, particularly for munis, we sort of end up the year in a low issuance period, and then we turn the page, and there's a lot of money to reinvest. January tends to be a strong performance month. This year may be a little different. So let let me talk a bit about rates. I want to go back to to June, and in June, we had the release of the May CPI data, which completely surprised the market, and with that, then we had the Fed meeting, and they began a series of 75 basis point interest rate increases. So I think the surprise factor there caused rates generally across the curve to overshoot the mark. I think we reached a peak of a 435, 10-year. Everybody was concerned about a more aggressive Fed, how far they were going to go, what the terminal Fed funds rate would be. Etc. So that that surprise uh, of the market lasted for some period of time, and then more recently, uh, not this month that we just had uh, released, not the November data, but actually the October data released in November surprised the market a bit and began to see the Fed pivot towards a less aggressive tightening policy. And I think we're again seeing an overreaction in the market. So much like we saw over the summer when rates overshot on the upside. I think rates are overshooting on the downside. They're factoring in high probability of a very hard landing for the U.S. economy. And and it's just hard to see that happening when you look at a number of of metrics like, for instance, savings and consumer confidence. And certainly there are pockets of the economy that that are weakening. But when you look at jobs data in particular and others, it's hard to believe we're going to just crash land into a recession in, in 2023. So I think rates are... Somewhere in between where we are now, which is a 346 10 years, I look at my screen, and that 435. 
somewhere in between probably represents pretty good value, and I think the market will begin to recognize that. Now, there's a couple of things I want to point out that are different this time. Normally, when you get into this type of cycle, the market begins to anticipate a recession and then the beginning of a Fed easing of monetary policy, and rates begin to come down pretty quickly across the curve. I think this time is different. Like We're still dealing with 7.1% CPI inflation. That's a very high number. Remember, for a number of years, the Fed really was undershooting their 2% target by getting to 1.5, 1.6, 1.7, not missing that much. Well, now their target's 2%, and they're over by over 5%. So they're a long way away from their target. We remain to be seen whether they can achieve that. And I, I think the point is that inflation's going to stay sticky. It's going to stay elevated for a long period of time. Let's pick a number, 35 to 4%. That means that short rates probably have to stay high for a little bit longer. And I think that hard landing not coming to fruition probably means that rates uh, out the curve have to back up a little bit uh, as well. well. If you have to pick a number and pin me down, I'd say maybe 4% 10-year represents value. Do we get there? Perhaps not, but I think we'll get we'll certainly get close in the coming months as the market realizes that hard landing will actually not happen in 2023. Okay, thanks for that uh, color, Peter, and I, I agree with you. And, I mean, the markets have been overshooting pretty much all year, and inflation continues to be a, a main focus. Um, next question up that we get continually, uh, and it's top of mind for many individuals, you know, individuals are still sitting in a lot of cash or cash equivalents, and they're asking whether now is a good time to start building municipal bond positions. We've seen rates go up, but uh, should they keep waiting, or is now a good time to start building those muni bond positions? So a, a couple of things there. One is that certainly if you look across the curve, whether it's cash or further out the curve, you're getting more more income for every dollar you put to work anywhere on the curve. So it's really a matter of what you think rates are going to do and what part of the curve and what your time horizon is. And the reality is in the muni market, I think for a long time we were in this low rate environment and individuals in order to maximize their income were probably taking on too much credit risk uh, by buying down the credit spectrum more than they normally would or taking more duration risk than they normally would. Well, now you can actually get more income across the board. When you look at the yield to worst on the index, we're up over 200 basis points. So that's a tremendous move in just what you can get for income. You can actually have a shorter duration up in credit quality uh, and get more income than you could, you know, certainly a year ago or even over the last five to 10 years. So I think that's a good value proposition. The question is a bit of, of timing. Is now a good time to start building a, a muni bond position? Well, you mentioned this has been a tough year. One of the worst, in fact, the only year that the index has been worse than the eight and change negative percent that we're seeing now was 1981. We all know what took place then in, in the Volcker Fed. So, you know, the interesting part is that what happens in the bounce back year? If you look at other years where the Fed was tightening, munis had negative returns. Let's put aside 81 because that was a very high rate environment. But when you look at 1994, 99, you look at 07, 08, 2013, no matter when you look at those years, munis had negative returns of between 2 and 5%, so not close to where we are now. But each year after that, the total return number was quite large. But again, we were coming from generally a much higher level of rates. So we don't expect that to be the case this year. We do think just the fact that the carry component is much more, you're getting more income, so we do think there's a positive to that, but we think the 
returns at the end of the year are going to be muted, and we think they're going to be more back-end loaded. We think the front-end, as I mentioned earlier, is going to have a little volatility around the reaction to stronger, a bit of stronger economic data, inflation not coming down as fast as, as um, investors think, I think, broadly across the, you know, across the curve. So uh, I think what we're advocating, in reality, the market bottomed out on October 26th. That's when the Muni main was negative 13.02%. The high yield index was negative 18.11%. That was the bottom of the market. And we were, we were out there actually in October saying this would be a good time to, to buy into the market. So investors may have missed the peak in terms of total return, but there's still great income opportunities out there. So I think my view is probably wait a little bit into 2023, see if we get some of this give back. We've had, you know, as you mentioned, we've had a tremendous rally in November. So we've had the index go from negative 13% to just over eight, so almost a 5% return just in about a month and a half, we'll call it. Uh, So I think we've got to give a little bit of that back in early 2023. And that's when I think there'll be a better opportunity to lock in income for the longer term. And I think we'll also have more clarity on, on Fed policy as well. Okay, Peter. Um, yeah, so you're in the camp that maybe um, the market, the mini market may have gotten a little ahead of itself here toward year end and maybe January things might back up a little bit for a better opportunity. Um, what I was going to ask next was really about, this is a question we get all the time, you know, the U.S. Treasury curve you know, remains inverted, as you know. By contrast, munis continue to retain a positive slope. So um, looking at that, where do you now see the best values along the muni curve? Or if you don't see value and you think you should just wait until January, you know, uh, let us know about that as well. Sure. So, I, I, look, I think it, it's a really good question because I don't think investors often focus on the muni curve per se. They look at a spot where they want to buy. They look at a yield and look at a credit, and, and they buy that particular spot on the yield curve. But they don't make the comparative analysis. When you look at the treasury curve, and you look at compare the difference between a two-year treasury and a 30-year treasury is negative 90 basis points. It's that inversion you talked about. The muni curve, and if we right. did a pop quiz on this, I'm not sure a lot of people would get it right. Twos to 30s for munis is actually positive 100 basis points. So the differential is 190 basis points. It's a really big factor. That means that investors are actually getting paid to some degree to move out the curve a little bit. You know, there's been this kind of interesting dynamic this year where municipal mutual fund outflows have, I think they're now they're about negative 130 billion. So we've seen outflows of 130 billion. We've never seen a year like this. The demand component had up until uh, very recently had largely gone away, but particularly on the long end of the curve where a lot of mutual funds buy. And that's important. There just isn't a lot of sponsorship there. And oddly enough, you know, you talk about relative value and where we are, munis have gotten a little rich, but on the long end of the curve, they're actually cheap. That's the one place. Now, I'm not advocating buying 30 years. If you sort of ask me where the best value is, we like the 15 to 20 year part of the curve. If you had a dollar to invest, would I invest every dollar in that part of the curve? No, but I think it's a good time to put some of that to work. Again, just for those with a longer time horizon, seeking income, it's a great spot. You can get about 90 to 93% of the income of the entire curve by buying in that 15 to 20. So not going out 30 years where you can get 100%, you can still get 90 to 93% of it. The taxable equivalent yield at every point, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years, 
is well over 5% taxable equivalent yield for the highest tax bracket. Uh, and when you look at the relative value on a ratio basis, we're somewhere between kind of 85 and 90%. So on a relative value basis, we're cheap too. So I think putting a little bit of money to work here in the 15 to 20 year part of the curve, I think is certainly warranted. You know, again, getting back to my January comment, we're getting into a low issuance period. The market, I think, is overreacted a little bit. Certainly, if you wanted to wait for January, and we do think some of these rates will correct a little bit, that might be a better entry point. But believe it or not, we think that's the best value on the curve right now for those looking for long-term investment. Okay. Thanks very much, Peter. And I, I agree with you, the uh, better value on unis is further out on the curve. And oftentimes, when we talk to clients that are intent about positioning dated securities, we point out that in many instances, um, U.S. Treasuries um, offer a better opportunity at that very front part of the curve versus munis. And, you know, munis, as you said, the, the, the value value is further out on the curve without going out for 30 years you can get a good return in that 15-year to 20-year area. So at CIO, we we have been discussing that same exact theme that you've been talking about. Now let's move on to muni sectors. Um, We've seen all sectors witness steep total return losses this year, except for on my screen here. I, I see the short-dated pre-refunded securities, you know, owing to the very short-duration high quality. Those those are down, but, you know, they're not down as much as all the other sectors. That said, at this stage, which sectors in the muni market do you see the best opportunities? And by contrast, are there any to avoid in the face of an economic slowdown or possibly a recession? Certainly. So I, I think I'll start by saying that I think those front-end pre-reads, which have done better than other sectors, are very expensive right now. I mean, I think that's an area to avoid. There's just been so much money piling into that front end of the curve, and particularly right. quality right. for things like prairies, just very expensive. So I, I think that's a great call and a, a place to avoid. In terms of opportunities, we continue to like uh, up in quality, and you know we're a little cautious on high yield for a variety of, of reasons, even though we've had you know certainly a month of very good performance there, and there's, there's reasons behind that. Um, you know, one area to look at is is airports. So airports have a tremendous amount of unspent fiscal uh, uh, stimulus from COVID. They have to spend it through 2024. But when you look at airline travel and et cetera, the fundamental credit of airports is actually very good. I would stick with some of the bigger, what we call origination and destination airports, probably less so on some of the smaller regionals. Um, But there's a lot of good value there. For those who have clients that are not in AMT, AMT spreads have widened out tremendously, and we scratch our heads. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. If you can buy an AMT airport, uh, that's a great place to maximize income and not really sacrifice credit quality as, as well. We continue to like some states. States still have something like $26 billion in unspent uh, COVID stimulus that they have to spend over the next couple of years. So I think they're well cushioned for any downturn in the economy. We're likely to see a little bit of a drag this year. Uh, you won't see it until probably sometime mid-next year from pension returns. I think that's something that was an uplift from 2021 into 2022, and now probably get a bit of reversal. But they're actually well-positioned. You look at tax receipts, they're, they're increasing. Uh, we're not too worried about housing. That tends to affect more local local uh, state, sorry, sorry, local cities and tax-backed type sector. So we do like states in here. Um, we think that's a big deal. Areas to avoid. So healthcare, we think when you look at sort of supply chain and you look at cost pressures on wages and things like that, 
their margins are going to be compressed. I think they're going to be in for some difficult times. The large systems are better suited to withstand that, but smaller standalone hospitals or facilities that have two or three type of units, uh, those are probably areas to avoid. We think they're in, in risk of downgrade and some underperformance, and also some big cities from commercial real estate have probably come close to seeing the peak in their ratings. So that's another area that we're looking to avoid as we enter 2023. Okay, so credit analysis is definitely going to be something in focus in 2023. Um, one point I wanted to mention about the AMT spreads, I've noticed that myself, the AMT spreads have widened quite a bit. Do you think that that could just simply be because, you know, the AMT provisions are set to sunset at the end of 2025, which is only a few years away now, and that could just cause some investors to just not want to get in, knowing that that provision could possibly sunset and people could be subject to AMT again? Do you think that could no, I, I do think there's an element of that, but, you know, AMT kind of gets paid year to year. I think it's more a matter of the, the airport sector, more broadly, the transportation sector, which has mm-hmm. gotten pretty beat up this year. I think it's a function of that. There was just a lot of selling in that sector to fund redemptions. And that for that reason, I think people were kind of selling AMT to keep their AMT down and spread widened out where they don't really make sense. You know, AMT, as you know, is a hard calculation. There's less people in it today than there were 10 years ago. But, you know, to the extent you know you're not going to be an AMT, I think they represent good value. And we do think they're going to, those spreads will tighten well in advance of that sunsetting at the end of 2025. Mm, okay. Thanks. Thanks for that input. Um, next, let's just talk a little bit about um, Muni high yield versus higher rated investment grade credits for 2023. I mean, you did say that um, you you right now have an up in quality bias. Um, so I was just going to say, you know, if I look at what happened over the past, you know, four weeks to six weeks, we did see a nice rebound in the lower rated high yield munis. Um, and even in the investment grade sector, we saw the higher risk sectors such as hospitals, which you had mentioned, um, outperform the higher quality sectors general obligation debt, which you also mentioned. So I was just wondering, do you think that that pivot is temporary um, um, or is it something more sustainable into 2023? High yield is, is always a difficult one because most people express their views in high yield through a fund because it's fully diversified. You have teams that do credit research, et cetera. But I think you also have to kind of look under the hood a little bit. You know, There are some difficult projects out there which will only get worse if the U.S. economy or as the U.S. economy turns down. Things like the American Dream Wall, which is a big project. It's widely held by one or two large high-yield funds. The same thing with Brightline East, which is the train line that is slated to go from um, from Miami up to or Orlando. You know, Both of these are eating into their capital interest. Uh, American Dream Act actually uh, pay for their interest out of reserves, et cetera. And we think that's going to create some disruption in the market in terms of valuation. And, you know, if you do get, as we often see in a weaker economic environment, you get some of these project finance deals that begin to default, you could see bigger negative returns in some high-yield funds, and that could lead to outflows. So we're a little cautious. You know, the flip side of that, Kathleen, is that when you look at spreads on an historical basis, Spreads look pretty attractive, right? High yield has gotten hit pretty hard this year, even despite the bounce back over the last month. 
I just, I would be reluctant if, you know, it had been a month or two ago, I think we were adding a little bit at the margin. High yield is also a big beta mover in the market. It just trades a lot. And when it trades a lot, it looks to be a lot better than it is, but it's a very big, complicated market with a lot of nuanced, smaller deals. So I think we're a little cautious in here. I probably would hold off on adding to high yield. I still like the up in quality bias. Spreads are still attractive for anywhere from single A to, to triple A. You know, historically, it's the single A part of the index that does best in just about all markets. So I, I think that would be a big focus, and I'd be avoiding high yield, at least for the time being. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's move on to uh, closed-end funds. You know, we do have a lot of investors that um, have positions in closed-end funds. So uh, given the events of, of this past year, I mean, what should investors be thinking about regarding their leveraged muni closed-end funds? As you know, most muni closed-end funds are leveraged. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is probably the hardest question that you've given me today, I think. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the hardest for last. You know, here's the, I wish to, like if we had more time to answer it, but so there's a short-term index that all the borrowing is based off of. And that short-term index is dependent on money market type securities. So money market demand being in and out. It's been very technically driven. I mean, it was trading at a 180 when Fed funds were up at 4%. It was trading kind of at a ratio of 350%. It should trade at 70%. The Fed on December 14th is likely to go 50 again. So I don't think that index fully reflects what the Fed is doing or the technical nature, uh, supply-demand related to that index, how that index moves around, which means that the cost of leverage probably has to go up from here. Uh, book yields remain low. I think I know many fund complexes we have. We've been very active in doing tax loss swapping, so we've been getting out of uh, we've done this all year, getting out of lower book yields and reconstituting into higher book yields and then reemploying our our leverage. But, you know, obviously, if cost of leverage goes too high and it's above the book yield of whatever bond it's levering, uh, you have a problem. So I still think there's cuts to come for sure. That, that is going to take place. And the bigger question is, you know, how institutions, how a lot of these fund companies are going to manage their leverage going forward. But it's going to be really, really difficult. I think that the Fed... Pivots and stops here will probably be okay. If the Fed continues its tightening into February, then I think we have to be a lot more cautious and we have to look at the, the benefits of that economic leverage. just won't be there. Okay. Thank you, Peter, for uh, helping us think about how we should be looking at those leverage closed-end funds as we head into 2023. So, I mean, putting this all together, we did talk uh, quite a bit. Um, what are some of your final thoughts for municipal bond as we had in 23. So I think, you know, last year at this time, we wrote our outlook piece, and, and our message was be patient, be cautious, wait at least through the first quarter. We, like everybody else, you know, thought rates were going to rise. Uh, we did not see what took place. We didn't see the magnitude of the sell-off or the outflows or the increase in, in rates. But I think this year it's the same theme. I think we have to be a little bit patient, different reasons. I think demand is going to come back, this notion that bonds are back and we're getting more income for every dollar spent. Uh, but I think the opportunity is not necessarily don't chase that seasonal demand in, in January. I don't think you're going to see that tailwind that we usually see. I think be a little patient as we get with a lot of data between now and the February 2nd, I think it is, Fed meeting. So I think let's look at the data. Let's see what the rates do. 
but we should wait for a slightly higher rates before getting back in. So that would be my big theme. And you mentioned it earlier, credit research is going to be really important. There's going to be a bifurcation uh, of credit, and I think navigating that's going to become more difficult, not less difficult, particularly as we enter a slowdown in the U.S. economy. Well, thank you so much, Peter. Um, let's let's end with those important points. Um, that was really helpful. We do you do think that demand will return, and your view is that maybe we'll see some slightly higher rates in the beginning of the year, and credit research will remain very important in the muni space in the year ahead. We greatly appreciate your insights on the municipal bond market. Thanks so much, Peter, head of municipals at BlackRock, for speaking with us today. Thank you, Kathleen and Dan. Appreciate it having me. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.